This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to Faith Ventures. I'm Dr. Norman Horn, and today I am honored to be joined by Mr. Matt Neff. He is the CEO of Sight and Sound and has been there since 1994. He's the acting CEO of the organization and has been since 2015. Sight and Sound is a live production of biblical stories and amazing artwork. I am excited to have him here to talk about his vision of leadership, of company culture, and living through identity, and so much more. He's an interesting fella. We've got so much to talk about. Matt, welcome to the show. Norman, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you today. It's really neat to talk to somebody who is a professional in the arts, who is doing something that is both focused on developing something excellent and then also focused on displaying the gospel in a particularly interesting way. So let's talk about that. And in particular, I want to start with your career journey. We'd love to highlight our guest stories and what they mean for them all throughout their lives and how they've incorporated their faith into that. So let's talk about that at first. How did you kind of get started with Sight and Sound? And how did you, you know, go from being, as I understand, a stagehand into CEO? That's incredible. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, so it was pretty much overnight. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> an overnight success over 21 yeah. years. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I would say one of the verses that has always been most relevant to me scripturally is in Proverbs, where it talks about your gifts make room for you. And the whole idea of when we bring what we have, sort of the conversation God has with Moses at the burning bush, like what's in your hand? He's like, uh, staff? <laughs> He's like, throw it on the ground. Oh, it's way more than a staff when you give it to me. <laughs> sort of that idea of when we bring our gifts and talents in the smallest of ways, sometimes just in simple obedience. It's like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? And then you see what he does and things you didn't even necessarily think were gifts. He's like, no, no, I placed that in you for a purpose, for a time, for a season. So for me, my journey began as a stage technician. I was a actually technically a senior in high school yet. And my girlfriend was in the cast. And I was like, wow, it'd be really amazing to get to work with her. How cool would that be? So that's how big my vision was at that point. Yeah. Pretty epic. You know, that was the master yeah. plan to someday be in this seat. Stars with the girl. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> All good stories too, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, so seriously, that was kind of what got me interested. But no, prior to that, I grew up five minutes from the theater here in Lancaster, or the original theater, not the one I'm sitting in today. Mm. And so I had the opportunity to come to see these stories and these shows when I was a kid. Like, this is pretty cool, pretty amazing. So there was a seed planted there, but uh, the tipping point was my girlfriend working here. So I'm like, hey, that'd be fun. So I applied, somehow got hired and I got hooked. Like fell in love beyond just her. I fell in love with what we get to do at Sight and Sound. That girl eventually became my wife, which is awesome. Amy's amazing. But I really got hooked, even though I knew I was called to go to Bible school at that point. Like when I got hired, I knew I was post-graduation. I was headed to Bible school out of state. And so I worked there, teched that show, which was the premiere of Noah in 1995, which is crazy, crazy time, an epic story, big story, 40 feet tall, you're in the ark, all the things you imagine <laughs> when you picture that story, we somehow crammed into the stage back then and still do today, which is fun. So that got me in kind of, and got hooked, put it that way. So left for a season, went to Bible school while I was engaged. Amy came home, got married, 
And I'm like, all I know is I want to be at Sight and Sound. And so I had an opportunity open up in the scene shop. So I got hired there, working as a general laborer, helping to build the sets and the props. And again, I was hooked. I'm like, this is a blast. I love it. And just slowly, one door after another opening, you know, our general manager kind of stopping by one day in the shop saying, hey, we have this supervisor role. I think you would be a really interesting candidate. I think you should consider. I'm like, who, me? Like, what? Great about it. Okay. And then got offered the job and that was terrifying. And uh, <laughs> so things like that over the next 20 plus years. And then we really didn't start a formal succession process until I'd say 2007, 2008. Somewhere in there, we got way more intentional around, okay, what does the future look like mm. for our leaders, for our leadership team? And I was part of that journey, part of that process. And that ultimately culminated in me shifting into the seat in 2015 as the CEO. So that's the very quick version. <laughs> the very quick version. <laughs> yes. But so, but when you're reflecting on the process of how you got from being, you know, 18 years old and a stagehand to being CEO of the organization, I think what strikes me there on some level is just the notion of, goodness, you've done probably everything in the entire business. <laughs> Not and quite, do you feel a lot. <laughs> well, pretty close, right? But I mean, that, yeah. Do you feel like that your, you know, consistent, progress through the business, everything that you had, like, does that, how does that inform your leadership style and whatnot within the organization? Because to me, it, like the reason I kind of ask is that a lot of us in leadership positions don't really know what all the nooks and crannies of an organization do. How important is that to you? And how does that affect the way you kind of think and lead? Oh my, it's a great question. For me, that was significant and I would not have changed anything about it. Most importantly, relationship-wise, like I was mm -hmm. able to build relationships through each of those seasons, each of those roles that I was called to that still exist today. Uh, we have a pretty ridiculous amount of longevity at Sight & Sound. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people that are passionate about the mission and the vision and what we're called to do together here. So any given day, it's fun if I stroll down through the shop and I'm checking on, you know, just curious where, where's the set build for the next new show kind of thing. I can run into any one of five people who I worked with in the shop to build sets long, long ago, yeah. far, far away. And it's just cool because there's still a relationship there. There's still friendship there. So there's first of all relationship, but beyond that, you learn things you could learn any other way. I remember what it was like when the shop wasn't air conditioned and we, mm -hmm. and we worked in lifts, at, you know, 40 feet in the air and sweated like crazy. Like you remember all those things, but you can appreciate even more where we came from and where we are today opportunities we had to improve our craft and what we're called to do. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. It really was a classic example where the Lord places you where you need to be to learn what you need to learn for the moment, yes, but also for what he has in store in the future. And so for me, those were each of those stops. Like when I was in the shop, I knew I was never going to become a master craftsman. Mm -hmm. I'm just not that talented. Like I can have <laughs> it, but I'm not amazing, right? Yeah. And I'm working with guys like Shirk and these other guys who just are unbelievable what they do and are still knocking it out. Like, I can never quite achieve that. But man, I'll give it my best and I'll help and do what I can. But out of that, other gifts start to get revealed, right? And that's where the Lord starts to steer your path if you're being diligent with where you're planted each step of the way. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, I would not have traded anything for my journey for what it was. You know, I, I feel like I almost want to take a step back for a second because there's going to sure. be folks who are less familiar with sight and sound, maybe right. never heard of this before. They might have some knowledge of what it means to put on a stage production. You know, right. I even myself, I've done it before. But 
let's take a step back and describe for a sec. What is Sight and Sound's mission, their vision, and sure. to what extent does this look like? You know, your Broadway production yeah. versus something else. And, and I, I feel like you know, you, you have to give me the thirty second version. Yeah, what are you going to have to tell me? Because I've been just realizing, you know, I'm excited about this. I kind of know what's up. Right. Maybe some folks don't. Yeah. Let's make sure they know. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for asking. So for us, it starts with vision, right? Which is sort of the idea. What's so big that only God could do it, right? What do you want to see happen? And for us, we want to see the world transformed through the church living in the fullness of its identity in Christ. For us, that's the big idea. Everything we do guns towards that outcome. How do we specifically do that? How are we called to do it? By telling his story through who we are and what we do. So what we realized a number of years ago is like, we're not really theater people first. We're Christ-centered, Christ followers first who love story. They're passionate about story. Mm -hmm. So we happen to mostly tell story on stage, but we also get to tell it through the guest experience, the interaction our teams have with people when they're on property, on the phone, on the website, but also now through storytelling, through screen, as well as on stage. So for us, that's what we're passionate about, seeing the gospel go out, but ideally through the church, walking in the fullness of its identity, we kind of get jacked up about that. So there's, we bet. feel like there's a massive need for the church to be the church. Well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing on earth like the local church when it's moving at the right click, right? Yeah. And that's awesome. So you're a stage production, you're putting on shows like Noah. I want you to tell me some, a few of the others that you perhaps have produced. Sure. I'm sure the gospel stories in there, of course. Um, but yeah. I, I want to hear a little more about that. But you're also doing work on screen. Yeah. So I want to hear about how you evolved in that respect too and what decisions had to be made in order to get there. How did you guys have to change in order to accomplish that part of your mission too? Yeah. And I just threw like 15 things at you. <laughs> you can address big, that however it. you like. <laughs> love it. That's, that's an engineering challenge right there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, really. And it's again, an example where we're faithful with little, right? Like our founder is an artist and a creator and a storyteller at heart. I was just faithful with a little bit and the Lord just kept adding more. Okay, what about this next? What about this next? So kind of want to reference, we're not really theater people. We're story people first. I would say we backed into theater as a way to tell story visually. Mm. And that included, or ultimately that really became about epic Bible stories on stage. So that's what we became most known for is like, oh, they're that Noah theater or, uh, you know, oh, wow, I can see Jesus on stage. And so we, our typical show on stage would be about a two and a half hour production, including intermission, uh, very epic scope, professional theater, telling a Bible story. But what we do is what the team does. It's not just, hey, let's tell the story of Noah or let's tell the story of Daniel. It's really like, what's the heart message for today? underlying this story that we believe the Lord wants to reveal. And so we start that process four years ahead of time before it's going to hit the stage. So at all times, we're actually in production on at least two new shows, which is the case right now. One new one for next year, which will be Daniel, and another one for 2026. But stay tuned on that one. We can't announce that just yet. Okay. So we're always in production on two at a time, new ones, while also working on bringing some back and refreshing those stories. So that's where we're most known for, I would say, on stage, big, epic Bible stories. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is all of them point to Christ because that's the gospel. Like the Bible is the gospel. So for example, you'll see threads pointing to Christ in every story we tell. So in Noah, as the door is closing, there's the symbolism of today is the day of salvation, as Paul said. Mm. Christ is at the door waiting. And we end the show, the finale of that, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Noah yet, 
the end of that show, as they exit the ark, the ark actually collapses into a cross. Christ comes out at the center and gives an invitation, like, come. Like, I'm standing at the door, come. So we see that through every story in the Bible. So we find a way creatively to tell that story in a way that's not, hey, let's slap Jesus on it. It's not like that. It's an authentic, where's the heart of the story going? And every story we see points toward Christ. Um, and that's fun. It's fun to see the creative team unpack that and discover it because it is a discovery process. Um, and then to pivot with state or to film as we expanded into that genre of storytelling, uh, we really felt the, like the Lord was leading us to say, hey, for film, it's more than just Bible stories. It's true historical stories of my intervention with mankind. Mm. And there's a ton of those stories. Some of them are in the Bible. Some of them are not. But similar historical stories is where we feel called to tell them on screen. But in typical sight and sound style, we didn't just set out one day and say, hey, these stage shows are great. Why don't we do films? It was more a deep dive into, wait, what are we really doing on stage? And we felt like we were steered pretty firmly towards Ephesians 4, where it talks about these ministry gifts, these ministry offices of the church that were given. Hmm. And we, when we read the work of the evangelist, we're like, huh. I think that's the work specifically we're doing on stage. Interesting through these Bible stories, which makes sense because our founder has the heart of an evangelist. He can't not tell a story about Christ, no matter where he's at. I've been on a chairlift with him and he's telling the story of Noah to a 10 year old kid, you know, a skier we just met. And, it's like, <laughs> and the kid's like, really? It's amazing. Um, so that's who he is. So we were doing this deep dive into how do we more effectively do that? And out of that adventure, we felt like the Lord asked the question, what about the other offices? What about other ways to tell story? And immediately we were drawn towards the office of the prophet, which is to speak and proclaim, right? To hear from the Lord and proclaim truth or speak truth to power, as some would say. And yep. immediately we felt like, man, that's film. Like that's filmmaking. Like that's maybe one of the most prophetic audiences that exist today or platforms, I should say, is film and cinema. And so that was, that's a good example again, where we kind of backed into a whole different, realm of storytelling, uh, but feeling like the Lord steered us there. And so in that, the interesting thing right now is figuring out how to take a really effective production process that we've honed and tweaked and constantly are working on that was designed to, to produce stage shows and say, how do we expand that just appropriately enough to also tell film stories? That's what we are in the middle of figuring out right now. Uh, the first film, which released last year, that was more learning by doing. So it's like, we're going to build this plane in flight. Let's go make a movie and learn <laughs> from it and then apply that to create a healthy process for all of the future films. So that is the hard work we're in the middle of right now. Uh, but very gratifying work because we know we're called to it. And so we see the grace of God in that, giving the ability we need to do what he's calling us to do. It's interesting to kind of take what you're saying here in the context of our present moment of technology yeah. and business development, what's happening right now across the world mm -hmm. and realizing that not only are you guys doing something that's great, you're also not alone in it either. And right. I'm just kind of blown away in, in some sense that we have opportunities that are developing because of the ease of which it is, or it's easier than ever to make film. The distribution system is different than it has been. Yeah. The availability of, of things like streaming services completely changed the game. 
And your ability to develop capital in order to produce these things is different than it used to be. I mean, just the savvy that it probably takes in order to operate all of this together is only probably possessed by a few various people in the world. And it's impressive that one of those people is you who's had all this experience in the production process. You know, the Lord has placed you in this really interesting position. And I'm, I have to wonder, you know, questions come to mind like, how does one recognize that you're in that position, that the mm-hmm. Lord has placed you there yeah. and take advantage of those opportunities? So the way I'm going to phrase this next bit here is, as you began to recognize the Lord's placement of where you're at, and this isn't just about ministry here, this is really more broadly right. speaking about the talents that God gives us, yep. the desires he places in our hearts, and the ability that he gives us to go and develop our own interests too. And how do you begin to kind of recognize that, take advantage of the opportunities and make the most of them? And what encouragement would you offer to those, uh, our young people who are listening, our, you know, losers like me, um, (laughs) who are still trying to make their way in the world and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I I kid, but we learn from folks like you and I'm I'm so just glad to be able to do this. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just like, not at all. So many things running through my head. So (laughs) no, that. I totally get what you're asking because like we, we ask ourselves the same thing. You know, you look in the mirror like, Lord, what is happening? Like, how did this happen? A lot of people, you know, they'll run into our founder. They'll ask us like, wow, how did you guys have this amazing, compelling vision and just do this big thing? We're like, well, it didn't start that way. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a 40, 50 year journey of mm-hmm. um, God placing a small idea, planting a seed initially in a creative mind that was fertile enough and obedient enough and just slightly crazy enough to go, why not? <laughs> and that why not started with the slideshow in the 60s, right? Which turned into, mm. why don't we build a big theater that people could come see slideshows in the 70s? And that was crazy then for us, right? And that took debt. It took a ton of faith. And here it is. And then it was like, what if we added an actor? What if we added some animals? What if they're actually full-blown Bible stories? What if they go 40 feet tall? Like it was just this progressive what about this? What about this? As God would plant a seed or breathe life onto an idea and a team that was just thankfully uh, not just willing to listen, but intentionally listening to seek through relationship with Christ. Okay, Lord, what is your wisdom? Like, we don't want to assume a strategic plan on our own and we need a good plan, right? So it's the both end of he gave us brains and he equips us with abilities and he says, but come do it with me because he's all about relationship. It's sort of like when I picture Adam in the garden, right? So Adam, Adam and Eve are created. They're placed in a garden to tend and keep, right? So they have an assignment, they have a mission. There's a clear vision of who they are, what they do, right? All that. And it says that Adam made the animals, right? Well, I don't picture that as God just being like, okay, Adam, I made you. Now go do this thing for me and let's check in at the end of the day. I picture them doing it together. Like I can't theologically necessarily prove this per se. Okay. It's not even in the message of the Amplified Translation, but uh, I'm picturing Adam sitting on the bank of the shore with the Lord and the uh, Lord is like, what do you want to call that thing coming out of the water? And he's like, ah, oh, let's go with hippopotamus. God's like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. But like God loves to work with us and he invites us to work with him and be what he's about, or as Jesus said, to be about our father's business. So, the long answer to your short question is it really starts and ends in relationship with, um, and that's something we've been learning and something we've been inspired to cultivate 
an understanding of within the organization at every level because it's not based on level or seniority. It's simply, we can't do what we do without abiding in him. Like Christ said in John 15, he's like, without me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Have fun trying, but let's do this together. That's the why. It's not out of control. It's simply invitational. And it is so much more fun when we get ourselves out of the way, our insecurity and pride and the things that get in the way of his best. We're literally like, Lord, what's your wisdom? And sometimes we find he has given us numerous massive opportunities that we are way, way in over our head, right? And completely unequipped for how to handle. Um, And I could tell you a thousand of those examples, but an obvious one is COVID, right? In 2020. Yeah. We do live theater largely, right? And so we have a lot of senior bus groups that come to these shows and then COVID hits and, you know, at least in Pennsylvania. How's that going to work? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Like you need to close your big venue. Now what, right? And so that was an obvious opportunity to be like, Lord, there's nothing we can do on our own to survive this. There's nothing we can do on our own to suddenly fix it, right? Or figure it out. So what do you, what do we do today? You know, it was like, well, what decisions do we have to make today and this week? And that was every day for weeks and then months and, you know, watching cash flow just paper ride. And, but we're like, you're not surprised, Lord. Like you already, you knew this was going to happen. You're on the other side of it. So what's your wisdom today? And he would give us the manna we needed moment by moment. What's cool is we're like, we endeavor to live that way no matter what's going on. So it's not, well, let's dust off our faith and go put it to practice. It's a COVID season. You know, it's a hard season. It's like, no, that's, that's no less important. Maybe you could argue even more important when things are good. Things are obvious. Uh, you know, and shows are sold out and it's like, Hey, this is great. Uh, yeah, it is. It's great, but it's no different. And I, I had that epiphany the end of 2020, cause we probably should not have survived frankly, but through several miraculous things, the Lord did, we had enough cash flow that we're still alive. And I remember getting to the end of December and it was the, the largest financial loss we'd ever had in our history, right? It was that year, 2020. And it was brutal. And yet because of COVID, we had accelerated the launch of Sight and Sound TV. Mm-hmm. We had put the show Jesus out on Trinity Broadcast Network all over the world, right? Like for free uh, over Easter. It went crazy. Like people saw it all over the world. And so we were literally like, wait a second. We're at the end of this year where we were closed half the year, our worst financial year we've ever had. And yet far more people experienced these stories than any year we've ever had before or ever could have because we were shut down. Like, how does that happen, right? So we had this overwhelming sense of gratitude and excitement around what God did and who he is. Like, it felt amazing. And then we got into 21 and things recovered financially way faster than we could have dreamed. We get to the end of 21, our our financials could not look more opposite of a year before, right? (laughs) And I'm like, but I feel exactly the same way I feel in December of 2020. Not quite as tired, I will say that. But I felt exactly the same in the sense of gratitude and awe and wonder at what God just did. And I'm like, Lord, this is awesome. I think I know what Paul's talking about now in Philippians 4 when he's like, I know what it is to have much. I know what it is to have little. <laughs> in all things, Christ is sufficient. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We usually just tag that part of the verse on, but really that's what it was. It was like, oh, it isn't about whether we have abundance or lack. It's about, are we listening? Are we obeying? And then we get to see God at work in a way that we're like, whoa. Yes, we were a part of that, sure, at his invitation. 
but he did the work. He's the one that gave us the idea, right? The wisdom, the strategy day by day, the sustenance, the grace, all the things. Man, that's just fun. It's just fun. You're kind of unintentionally downplaying one thing though, is that you guys showed up for it. Like yeah. God does oh, the work, yeah, but, you, right. but you have to yeah. show up. You know, yeah, that's, that's admit, a great point. And, it's the and that's, thing, right? it takes partnership. Yeah. And, and that actually kind of reminds me, I want to get back to this, uh, you know, because you're a, you're a leader in this grand organization. And you talk about, and you've even alluded to this in different words, presence-based leadership. Mm. You've said already, it all comes down to these relationships. And so I want you to, at least for a few more minutes here, given what you've already said thus far, which is wonderful, does this all wrap into what you call like a presence-based leadership style? Mm. And what, how would you unpack yeah. that even more to kind of, yeah. uh, what is, and what should that mean to folks like me who are trying yeah. try to lead an organization? I'm a scientific leader as well. You know, yeah. what, what, should, what should I want to take away from that? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, yeah, I think it does lead into it because it's easier for me to take it for granted, right? Because it's become a normal part of our, our culture or lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. So to the point where we don't really have to think about it, but at the same time, we do have to think about it because we have to articulate it as well as we're constantly hiring. And, um, and I've heard it said, you know, it's an ancient quote, but people need reminded more often than, need, than they need taught something new. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that with, with the way our brains work. Um, but for us, we really it came through a journey of discovery, a journey of growth. We kind of hit a little bit of a wall, I would say, culturally as an organization. Um, and it was like, okay, organization's doing great. You know, our results are great. Okay, what's growth look like? And we started to go down the path of like asking traditional businessy growth questions. Not that those are bad things. I was just thankfully the Lord kind of intervened a little bit and gave us a better way. And what happened in that, he introduced us through uh, two key advisors, this idea of presence-based leadership or presence-based living, Mm -hmm. um, that we were like, whoa, that kind of sounds like the kingdom. (laughs) That sounds like the gospel, but how do we so easily miss it? And it really was the simple premise that as believers, we recognize that Christ is always present, right? Like his spirit is inside of us, his nature is here, and he desires to do life with us. So he's in the room. Why would we not ask his wisdom? Why would we not seek and pursue his creative solutions? Because he already is in tomorrow. We're not. <laughs> so why would we not ask him? Uh, but through that, that led us on a journey of discovery to say we can only really lead and live from his presence in a, in a complete way, the extent that we know who he is and that we know who we are in him. So it's an identity first oriented posture because when I'm rooted in my sonship, if you will, in Christ mm-hmm. or in God, and I recognize Christ's headship, that takes a lot of the pressure and the posturing. And because now it's not how well did I perform in that meeting? Um, how smart am I? I had to prove to the rest of the executive team that I can figure it out. I'm the CEO, right? I should have all the answers. <laughs> all this kind of American bootstrappy kind of leadership stuff, right? And instead, it invites humility to go, okay, Lord, you've placed certain gifts inside of me. And you've placed different ones inside the other members of the team. And we need all of those gifts to work. Most importantly, with you here, breathing your life into us in this moment. So it changed how we led meetings. It changed how we um, dug into and committed to a deeper level relationship together as a team. Because we were then looking for the Christ in each other and not like, ah, what's he going to bring today? Like, I, you know, I need this guy to step up, whatever, whatever. Um, and what's crazy cool is as we walk in more, 
of more freedom and fullness who God made us to be, mm-hmm. we actually are better. <laughs> we are better leaders. It's amazing. Uh, and there's a higher level of contribution because now I'm not afraid of what somebody thinks, right? Like that's the biggest holdback so many times in a team or a meeting is like, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to fail. I don't want to screw up, whatever. And then we hold back from get bringing our full selves and our, our full thinking. Um, but we love the, the scripture that says we have the mind of Christ. We believe that collectively, yes, individually true, but even more powerfully when we get together around a table and none of us assumes we know best and we're right because that's only true about God. It's not true about anybody else. Uh, but that's the temptation is fall for the lie. I'm right. I know best. And my idea has got to win the day here. Instead, when we surrender our ideas and our opinions, we still passionately put them on the table, but we surrender them to go, only Christ really knows the best answer. It leads to so much, the meetings are more fun, they're more dynamic. We go deeper, we get more real, and we get way better wisdom and we get better ideas. Because I can't tell how many times we go into a meeting and I'm thinking, all right, it's either this or this. You know, It's either this one view or this other view, and they feel like extreme opposites. And so many times through process of listening together for each other and for the Lord's wisdom, we, we see the Lord reveal what we call third ways, right? Where it's just like, oh, it's not quite this or this. It's actually this blend somewhere that we never could have seen before we came to the table. Each practice listening to his presence in the moment. We were toward each other. We were for each other, mutually honoring each other, mutually willing to submit to each other's uh, opinions. That tees up a great discernment atmosphere where then it's like the Lord's like, I'm going to give you this piece of wisdom, but I'm going to give a different one to this guy and a different one to this girl. And, and then when we're willing to lay those pieces on the table, and sometimes we'll just say like, look, I don't get what this means. This feels a little weird, but this thought keeps coming to me that we should consider X, Y, Z, and you put it out there. It's amazing how many times another member of the team's like, no way, I was thinking blah, 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 blah. And they put that out. And you're like, oh, those go together. And then somebody else is like, oh, I was thinking of this thing. And suddenly you step back you're like, oh, there's a puzzle that we had no idea existed before we came into this room. And nine times out of 10, that's how decision-making goes for us. And it's clear what we should do. It's like, oh, there it is. And then every now and then it's not quite, <laughs> and, you know, and we come down to like, ah, it is either this or this. And then it's a matter of like, okay, well, do we need more time? Do we need to dig in and pray through this? Do we need more data, more research, more whatever? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's like, no, we've done all that. Time is of the essence. It's time to make a decision. Then what we do is we'll step back and go, okay, who will be most responsible for the outcome of this decision? Who's going to have to own it, live it, and, and live with it? And then we turn to that person. We say, okay, we've heard it all. What are we doing? You know, what do you sense we should do? And they'll say, well, I think we should do X, Y, Z. And we'll all go, okay. And we're all in on it like it was our own decision. And we leave United and play it out. And if for some reason we missed it down the road, guess what? We'll change it, right? Like, we'll, we'll fix it. It's not, it's generally not fatal. Um, but that has been such a life-giving way to live and lead that isn't just about leadership at work. That's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. It's about life. So it's impacted and influenced how we live our lives outside of work too. And that's to me the most gratifying thing in the world uh, about being more whole people. That's, it's fascinating to hear. And I'm what want to tack on to that. Uh, another kind of comment I'm hoping that you can address, yeah. which is, you know, again, you're, you're at the, you're at the top here. You're the CEO. <laughs> I, I mean, when you started practicing this and, and you know, as leaders, we kind of realized that if we're going to make a change, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to kind of start internally with us. always. Yep. And what was the process like uh, of of a you know the, making the decision to adopt this perspective, and then you're going to try and kind of inculcate this down the line? How did yeah. that happen? Uh, slowly. <laughs> it takes time. I mean, even though, and what's cool is like we had done a lot of heavy lifting prior to that to really intentionally grow a healthier culture. So that wasn't new. Like talking about our culture was not a new conversation. Uh, we had already covered concepts like, you know, who you're being comes before what you're doing, not more important, just before, right? The order. Um, so things like that, we'd really worked through over the years, particularly as a creative company who produces a lot of things. We have a tendency to fall into the rut of being mission driven, like go, go, get it done at all costs. Um, so we recognize it's always a danger for us. Um, but this was a deeper all in kind of idea. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Oh, you're, you're like talking about me and my relationship with Christ and how that impacts my work. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but, but not from a shame or a um, control or any of that kind of nonsense, but from a, like, if we truly love each other, why would we settle for less than that? Yeah. Like, cause we're, we're members of the body, right? This is the church at work. Like that's kind of what, if we can grow in that, then the world can actually be transformed, right? Like then it's got a shot to happen. Um, but it did take time. So that was like beginning of 2017. I think we really dug into that as a team. And we were like, we're all in. Like, we have no idea what all this is going to take, but we're all in. Mm-hmm. And so moving towards that growing. But we didn't really export it intentionally outside of our team. Boy, it was probably a year, I would say. Yeah. Uh, like, it was leaking out. But uh, but intentionally, we're like, we got to kind of figure this out, how this works. So I think it was a full year at least until we started to intentionally communicate it out to our next level of leadership. And then kept getting more, more deeply intentional around, okay, how are we going to teach that? How are we going to like kind of curriculum it with our advisors? How are we going to export this? Um, but it can never start there, in my opinion. It's because you got to live it. Like you got to, and our advisors would join our meetings. They would help kind of coach us through practicing this in real time. Um, and then like once, once we were in, we were in. There was no going back. It's like, why would we? I never want to go back. It's <laughs> so much more fun. And way more fruitful. And just the way we saw God do stuff, just because we asked, which sounds a little like, duh. Like, I mean, this is classic John 14, 15, 16, right? Like, like Jesus is literally like, ask me and I'll show you. Uh-uh, maybe he was serious. Like, maybe we should think of it as word, right? Um, you don't have because you don't ask God sometimes. Like, that's, yeah, what, right. that's what James says. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, well, and, yeah, it's your point. And I think because sometimes yeah. we're like, well, I'm responsible. I got to figure it out. I've got this role. I've got this, whatever. We're doing this ministry, Lord. We got to go figure this out for you. And he's like, sure, but man, it'd be more fun if, if I could do it with you guys. Like, yeah. can, can I not lead you? Oh, yeah. How about you do that? Well, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, uh, I, I'm sure I could probably come up with another two hours worth of questions to, to throw at you because I find this fascinating um, being, you know, somewhat of, a, of, a, of an artist myself in various ways yeah. and whatnot and loving the stage uh, and loving what you guys do. Uh, but I, I do have to respect your time. I have a couple more things, though, before sure. we close. And, and this is one of, my, one of my favorite questions I love to ask our, our guests here on Faith Ventures is to kind of reflecting back on your career journey. What are what sorts of things would you want to tell 
a younger version of yourself. You know, imagine you're going back in time. Teach yourself what you've learned. Some oh, some of the man. important stuff. What would you What would you want to make sure that you communicated to your to a younger version of yourself about life, business, faith, kind of whatever, in yep. hopes of informing you know again our younger audience and even losers like me. Yeah. What What do we need to walk away from this knowing? Oh man, that's a good question. Oh boy, I would think. Boy, I would have to say, well, what would be most important? Probably because it was the most important thing for me to actually learn. And it took until my, I guess, about 40th year, 40th <laughs> first year, which is probably something to that, um, to really start to, I, I would have thought I understood it, but to really understand what it means to be invited into sonship with God, right? To be his child, like what that literally means and how he views me mm-hmm. and to then live for that reality, which is the, uh, it removes the fear of man nonsense, right? Which leads, which is always a snare as the Bible says, um, that boy, if I could have somehow communicated that to my younger self, that would have been the best gift I could have given myself. That said, I don't know if I could have heard it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, like there's just something about life. There's this, sheesh, I've been blessed with incredible people in my life who've spoken into, or whether it was my parents or people I worked with here at Sight and Sound, who encouraged, challenged, called me out, held me accountable, all those beautiful things we all need to grow and develop. Um, but without the bumps and bruises of, of living life, I don't know that I could have actually, I might've heard it. I would have heard it, but I don't know that I could have fully understood it until I lived through some situations where I wasn't walking in my true identity and I was spinning with fear of man. And I got desperate enough and ready enough to have ears to hear. That's kind of what it took for me. It was like when I started to hit a wall early in this role, trying to be a CEO that I thought, you know, five other people needed me to be. And I'm putting yeah. some needles around like, oh, I hope I was enough of this for this person or enough of this for the other person. And it was just the freedom of like, hold up. Who did God make you to be? Like, who are the unique gifts? What are the unique gifts and talents and personality he placed in you? Oh, that's... We're not asking you to be somebody else. That's who we need you to be. That's what the role needs, actually. Oh, that was, I mean, it sounds like duh, but it is. But I, I couldn't have known it without living it, I don't think. And I used to kind say, of, yeah, I used to find myself always like, oh, I had to learn that the hard way. And all of a sudden I was like, is there anything I didn't learn the hard way that was valuable? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think everything valuable comes through some pressure and challenge and struggle. It's I don't know. It's part of the game, I guess. Part of how life. Yeah, there's a kind of personal knowledge that is different than just you know having having stuff lectured to you or even reading from a book or even yeah any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's something about that experience that matters. So I can respect yeah. that very much. Yeah. Well, well, Matt, I'm so grateful that you took an hour out of your day to come and talk to me uh, and and to spread this you know your knowledge, your experience, your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much for being part of this today. Um, Please, to let us, let us know before we go here, uh, first off, like how would one come and follow and just learn more about sight and sound? Uh, and then if you, if you like to share, you know, your own, you know, if you've got Twitter, people can follow or LinkedIn, you'd like to share, uh, open to that as well. Sure. Oh, thank you. I mean, 
unfortunately, I'm a pretty boring old school person. So it's <laughs> one of our younger employees that on our team said, he's like, oh, so you're one of those people that has real friends. <laughs> he was trying to Facebook message me or whatever. I was like, oh, sorry, I'm not really on social media. He's like, oh, I see a real friend. Uh, but no, you, you can follow us easily online, uh, site-sound.com. Uh, of course, Sight and Sound, Sight and Sound Films, Sight and Sound Theaters. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook and all the things. YouTube, all that stuff. So yeah, check us out. Hopefully you're inspired by stories of God's intervention in humankind because that's who he is. He loves us and it's awesome to get to do life with him. Wonderful. Well, thank you once again, Matt, and uh, really just appreciate it. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm just, yeah, grateful for the opportunity. This has been Faith Ventures Podcast. I appreciate you listening in and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.